What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Hi, everyone. Judge Andrew Napolitano here for Judging Freedom. Today is Tuesday, October 17th, 2023. Our good friend Matthew Ho joins us now. Matt, always a pleasure, no matter what we're talking about. Welcome back to the show. Uh, much appreciated. Uh, as, as we were preparing to come on air, you informed me uh, of news reports that the Israeli military uh, had bombed a hospital in Gaza. As I understand it, there's no conceivable justification for such a war crime. No, absolutely not. Uh, the news as it's breaking and, and, and hopefully first reports are wrong, as they often are. But Al Jazeera was reporting possibly 500 killed. And uh, this would be, have done with American supply bombs dropped from American supplied aircraft as the president of the United States packs his bags to go to Israel tonight. Um, there's no justification for this. It, it, it's, it's even made worse by the fact that this occurred in southern Gaza. So this is where the Israelis told the people of northern Gaza to evacuate to. Okay. Uh, right? I mean, so all of this is just one more war crime on top of, uh, of just a, a foundation of gross violations of international law. And, you know, as a former... Uh, a U.S. Marine, a former member of the military, someone who was part of the State Department as well, I am embarrassed and ashamed at how the U.S. military and the diplomatic corps of the United States is going along with this ethnic cleansing. This yes, is such a yes. stain. It's not like, as everyone watching and listening knows, it's not like we have some grand uh, uh, place to stand upon in terms of the moral successes of the United States in its foreign policy. But this is just another iteration of the United States for purposes that are obscure, that uh, are, are, are corrupt, are craven, or just related to domestic political concerns, either uh, conducting, enabling, or going along with atrocity after atrocity and this is the latest one here in uh, in Palestine and you know the connection here between all these different wars whether it be Ukraine or whether it be Iraq or Afghanistan or Syria it's happening in Palestine is that this is all 
coming from a militarized U.S. foreign policy that just brings tremendous amounts of harm to people, destroys entire people, and it doesn't make the United States any safer. It makes us less safe. What do you think is the, I mean, Netanyahu, uh, uh, Bibi Netanyahu, the prime minister, is not uh, is not dumb. What do you think the, the purpose of such horrific ethnic cleansing uh, is? I mean, his goal is to wipe out Hamas or at least kill the leadership or at least suppress them so an attack like the Israelis uh, suffered 10 days ago can't happen again. How was that goal served uh, by killing patients and doctors in a hospital? It's not. It's not. And killing Hamas, which is a creature that comes from Israel's occupation, it's a creature of resistance. And yes, it's a reactionary religious group that I have no interest in supporting. But I think anyone who has a, a, a shred of objectivity here understands that it is a, a, a formation that exists because of Israel's occupation of the Palestinians. Uh, I don't think there's many in many people in Israel, particularly at the senior levels. Maybe they have uh, some people that are not that bright, but they must understand that there is no way that you can kill an ideology. There's no way that you can kill a spirit of national liberation. And I think what you're seeing here happen in Gaza is two things. One, it's collective punishment. Uh, it, it is simply just that. It's revenge. It's vengeance. It's, it's killing those who, had a, who, uh, uh, who are standing up against them. And that in no way, uh, that of course in no way endorses what occurred on October 7th. But right. I don't think you can understand what occurred on October 7th without understanding everything that brought those people to that point. Uh, and then the other point is- Give us a, a nutshell uh, description of everything that brought us to that point from the- Zionist militias in 1947, right. wiping out hundreds of Palestine, Palestine villages to the Netanyahu government creating an open-air concentration camp in Gaza. Right. And so what you see in Gaza is exactly that. You see a reality that is structured from the Nakba, from, which is what the Palestinians call that great catastrophe in the late 40s, where three quarters of a million Palestinians were made refugees. Tens of thousands were killed and wounded, three quarters of a million violently expelled from their home by the Israeli, the nascent Israeli military uh, and, and uh, militia groups. Uh, and today in Gaza, 70% of people in Gaza are refugees. They, their parents, their grandparents, their great grandparents came to Gaza because they were violently expelled from their home. And this is just a simple case of a, a people that who that are occupied. And what we saw on October 7th were many Hamas fighters breaking out of prison, as we, you know, as is rightly described, and going into towns and villages that were once the towns and villages of their grandparents and great grandparents. I mean, this is a cycle, and this idea of that a military solution is possible is just a name. Getting back to this idea of, of going into Gaza, what does it accomplish? I think what eventually, besides the punishment, Judge, you're looking at here uh, the, the 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 desire of many in Israel, and this is no secret. You have cabinet ministers who have said these things for some type of final uh, uh, conclusion 
to the issue of the Gazans, and that means ethnically cleansing the place. The finance minister of uh, of Israel. So we're talking senior people here. Uh, Bezel uh, Smotrich, uh, his view on Gaza is, is shared by many in his in power throughout Israel. Is that we should go in there, we should give the Gazans three choices: either swear allegiance to us, leave, or be killed. And I think you're seeing that policy, the opening phases of that policy become become real. What do you think Gaza's, um, or not Gaza, what do you think Hamas's goal was by this uh, attack? Surely they knew they're not going to overthrow the government of Israel. They're not going to take over uh, the, the state of Israel, the Israeli military and technological and financial support. Is overwhelming compared to theirs, but was their goal maybe Arab outrage, maybe a discussion about a, a Palestinian state, maybe to bring out the worst, which they apparently are we're seeing now in the Netanyahu government? What do you think when they thought about this and planned it, other than misery and harm? What do you think their goal was? I, I think there's a collection of, of reasons. Uh, some of it, again, rooted in resistance, rooted in a desire to fight the occupation, rooted in the fact that so many of those 1,500 Hamas fighters who went into, who broke out uh, two weeks ago or a week and a half ago, uh, have family, have friends, neighbors who have been killed by Israel. And we see that over and over again. Uh, we knew this in Iraq. We knew this in Afghanistan. Uh, we see this in, in, say, the terror groups all through Africa, uh, young men and women uh, join these groups, not for ideological or religious convictions, but because uh, they have been harmed by a government or by foreign forces. We see this over and over again. I think there is some degree of Hamas on a larger geopolitical level saying we're not going to be ignored. And what you've seen happen over the last several years, beginning on the Trump administration and then continuing under the Biden administration, this policy of normalizing relations between Arab countries and Israel, and most notably now the potential normalization of relations between Saudi Arabia and Israel, this was Hamas's way of saying, we will not be ignored. You can try and move on without us. You can try and sideline us, but we will not be ignored. So that may be a factor as well. Perhaps there's some who think that they can suck uh, Israel into a, a brutal, bloody, ugly urban battle and uh, humiliate them. Uh, you know, and then there's also, too, I think, domestic political reasons. Hamas wants to shore up their own internal support. There is a culture of, of martyrdom that exists as well that we can't we can't, uh, you know, dismiss too. Uh, you know, when when you are a people that are kept in those conditions that are kept under siege, under blockade, or tortured in that way, where thousands of your neighbors, your friends, your family have been killed and wounded, then, you know, what hope do you have? And that resistance comes out, you know, as you push at people, as you you, you stress at people, as you oppress at people, the resistance is going to grow, right, exponentially in relation right. to that. Right. Uh, we're going to take a break. When we come back, uh, I will ask uh, Matt Ho, how risky and dangerous and nearly impossible will a guerrilla war be for the Israeli military once they do enter Gaza? But first this. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. 
Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. There is an organization that still backs Obamacare, gun control, and extreme transgender policies that endanger our kids. They claim to be bipartisan, but last year, 95% of their donations went to the Democrats. AARP does not represent the values of conservative American seniors. Fortunately, there's a conservative alternative, AMAC. The Association of Mature American Citizens proudly champions Americans' rights to free speech, religious liberty, and the Second Amendment. AMAC defends parents' rights to protect their children and is fighting to restore America's election integrity. With more than 2 million members nationwide, AMAC is proudly pro-family, pro-faith, and pro-freedom. I'm proud to endorse AMAC, and I encourage you to join today. Let's send AARP a strong message that they don't represent conservative American seniors. Join AMAC today at amac.us forward slash judge. That's amac.us forward slash J-U-D-G-E. What do you think the uh, Israeli military will do? I mean, level northern Gaza back to the Stone Age, or will they engage in a house by house, building by building, tunnel by tunnel, search for Hamas, people who look just like the rest of us and don't wear uh, uniforms and then capture them or kill them. I I would expect they would, uh, you know, doctrinally, I believe, you know, some type of something like this would call for a massive aerial bombardment, a, a carpet bombing. We've seen a degree of that. Look, the Israeli Air Force is killing 100 Palestinian children a day, again, with American-supplied bombs from American-supplied aircraft, right, from F-15s, F- F- F-16s, F-35s, you know. So our role in this is very, very real. And so I, I would expect that they will level the place as best they can before sending in uh, their infantry backed by armored units utilizing special operation forces to try and locate tunnels, uh, command and control centers. But you have to believe that if the if Hamas prepared so well for possibly at least for at least two years, probably I would get to launch that attack on October 7th, they also prepared for what and how Israel was going to respond. So you can imagine circumstances and situations where, say, the Israelis get themselves stuck, uh, where they lose helicopters, they lose platoons of troops because they have gone into a well-prepared Hamas ambush. So, and you know, you're, I'm hearing this more and more. The Israeli army, we talked about this last week, the Israeli army has spent how much of its time over the last couple decades shooting teenagers who are throwing rocks. 
And mm. I've seen this from more and more commentators, more and more people who know the Israeli army who say the Israeli army may not be prepared to launch this type of battle. And so, again, is this was this Hamas's plan or part of their plan to suck Israel into a bloody, awful urban battle? But if that happens, the, 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 the catastrophe that's going to befall the Palestinian people, as horrific as it is now, is only going to worsen. So the Israeli military is two-thirds reservists. Are they even trained in guerrilla warfare? You've been through this. Isn't guerrilla warfare the most uh, testing, difficult, foul, dangerous, dirty, disgusting, whatever you want to call it, type right. of military behavior you can imagine? Fighting in a built-up area, as we called it, and, and, uh, is, is extremely difficult. The, the, the canyons that occur because of these buildings – the ability for people to hide, the way sound travels. You don't know where someone's shooting at you from because the sound. I mean, so my experiences in, in places uh, like Haditha and uh, uh, Haqmania and other places, uh, uh, um, you know, other guys have experienced in Baghdad and Fallujah, Mosul. Uh, it is incredibly difficult. It's a nightmare. Uh, you're hoping to God you're not going to kill your own. Uh, fellow Marines and soldiers, because everything happen, can happen so quickly. There's so much confusion. Again, it's hard to orient at times. It is very difficult. And in the presence of civilians, and, and it, I'll say this too, I've been in, in Israel and Palestine. I've been around the Israeli Defense Forces. They, again, yeah, reservists and then conscripts. Uh, they are not well trained. You see, if you take a close look at any of the Israeli soldiers, uh, you will very often see that they have extra safeties on their weapons to prevent negligent discharges. Oftentimes, they'll have a device put into the bolt of the weapon to prevent them from firing accidentally or negligently the weapon. So the level of training, again, because it's an army of occupation. It's meant to shoot at people who are throwing stones and possibly a Molotov cocktail. For They are not prepared for this. We saw that their performance in 2006 when Israel invaded southern Lebanon was universally rated as poor. The Israelis themselves said it was poorly executed. They performed poorly. I don't see where they have gotten to a point where they would have improved. And again, we talked about this last week, Judge, the overall corruption of that institution, the overall corruption of the Israeli government. Uh, that has effects that trickles down through an through that institution. Everyone who's been a part of things like this knows that whole idea of the fish rots at the head. It's exactly the case. And so what do you have here that's possibly going into Gaza? You have conscripts and reservists who haven't been prepared for this, who are being forced in either on the back of emotion, because we have to get revenge, we have to punish right. people, or to fulfill this Zionist ideal of an expanded, enlarged, greater Israel, right? So I, those two, either of those things are not where you want to be in terms of if you're leading or taking part in a campaign. Those are the motivations for those who are sending us revenge or fear or this idea that we have to have, you know, what God gave us 3,000 years ago, we're going to realize it now. I, for one, would not want, I would I would not lead troops into combat if that was what was pushing me. Uh, I mean, I made my mistakes in the past. Of course, you could see I did that when I went to Iraq. You know, I was right. like, you know, I mean, the emotion. You've more, you've more than atoned for that, Matt. I, I want to segue uh, toward uh, 
Ukraine, because the war is still going on. We'll start with uh, President Biden. He's actually a little bit more articulate than uh, usual, but but the the moral judgment that he makes in this clip will outrage you. This is uh, Scott Pelley uh, on 60 Minutes asking President Biden, how can the U.S. wage, defend, participate in two wars at once? Are the wars in Israel and Ukraine more than the United States can take on at the same time? We're the United States of America, for God's sake. The most powerful nation in the history, not in the world, in the history of the world. The history of the world. We can take care of both of these and still maintain our overall international defense. Boy, that is the uh, empire argument if ever i heard it we're the united states of america for god's sakes what is he talking about does he remember vietnam does he remember afghanistan does he remember iraq no he's writing the 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 history of world war ii uh the mythology that the united states has taken on to describe itself and to uh uh, you know, move itself forward over these decades that have allowed for things like Vietnam, Afghanistan, Iraq, this idea that somehow the Ukrainian army is going to defeat the Russian army, you know, and, and yeah, I, I'm reminded uh, Babe Ruth uh, had this saying that yesterday's home runs don't win today's ball games, right? And World War II is what dominates how Washington, D.C., uh, the foreign policy elite, see the United States and see themselves. And I guarantee you, Judge, remember we were talking a few weeks ago about how uh, one of the the, the first Biden uh, election uh, uh, campaign uh, ads was of him visiting Kiev, right? And him as the wartime commander in chief. I guarantee you that is what they're going to roll out after he visits Netanyahu and his cabinet tomorrow in Israel, again, the day after the Israelis slaughter 500 people in a hospital, again, with American-supplied bombs. Uh, so I, I think it's, it's how they view themselves as well, is that they are somehow, they are the progeny of this of these of the men okay, but, who won but World Going War. to the core of what uh, President Biden said, uh, has the American government effectively, has the West effectively given up on Ukraine? We all know that the Spring offensive, renamed summer offensive, was a failure. We all know the Russians are moving uh, westward. You don't see that in mainstream media because everything is Israel and Hamas, understandably, here in the West. But we still have a $100 billion investment, a half a million human beings dead because we didn't allow peace talks. Where's Ukraine going or coming to as we speak, Matt? Well, you know, it's it's I can make the point as well. And I didn't think it happened so quickly, you know, for the Ukrainians that the Afghans are going through right now, where as soon as you're not politically convenient, as soon as you're not politically useful, you will be pushed to the side and forgotten. And I mean, as you said, Judge, there's been almost no mention of Ukraine in mainstream media. Wall Street Journal did have an article today about how Russia is uh, launching an offensive in the Kupiansk region in the northeast part of the front. Um, And, and, you know, I mean, so there was some mention that this thing is still going on. But yeah, it's, it's, I think, you know, you take a walk around your neighborhood, you don't see the blue and yellow Ukrainian flags like you used to. And I mean, so this 
war in, against the Gazans, against the Palestinians, is the opportunity to get away from this failed war in Ukraine. Just as I think as Halloween is coming up and Thanksgiving and Christmas, it gives people an excuse to take down their Ukrainian flags and put up a pumpkin flag or, you know, put up a Santa Claus thing or whatever, right? It's your, it's your way of getting out of that past support that you no longer want to own up to. I think what you're going to see here as well, but the amount invested in this and the continuing amount of all these wars, as this thing continues to roll forward, this militarized foreign policy, look at this crisis in the House of Representatives. We don't have a speaker. What does that come back to? It comes back to funding that $113 billion for the Ukraine war. But then overall, too, what are we talking about? We're talking about the national debt. And we're going to spend $700 billion a year this year on interest payments on the national debt. You know what makes up the biggest chunk of that national debt? Past okay. military spending and past war spending. That's right. We're spending hundreds of billions of dollars a year on interest payments for wars in the past, for military spending in the past. So all this has an effect, whether it's on in terms of destroying people like the people of Ukraine, the Palestinians, the Iraqis, or in the sense of making things politically, economically, uh, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, long-term investment in the U.S. impossible because we're tied into these wars, into this militarism, into these defense budgets, and it's a racket. Joe Biden can beat his chest and do his best uh, impression of how, you know, he is the second coming of, of Franklin D. Roosevelt or Churchill or whoever he wants to be, you know, but this is what the, the rest of us have to live with are the consequences of these failed wars and these trillions of dollars in military spending, which has delivered nothing except death and destruction for those overseas, a lot of pain for a lot of veterans and their families in this country, and of course, an economy that has been completely hollowed out. Matt Ho, thank you very much. Uh, as difficult as these subjects are, you're uh, candid and articulate and courageous. Very much appreciate you joining us. We'll see you again next week. Thanks, Judge. Okay. Uh, judging Freedom, uh, Scott Ritter, 4 o'clock Eastern, coming up. Judge Napolitano for Judging Freedom.